Hi there. Thanks for tuning in to the GeForce Podcast, a show for car enthusiasts by car enthusiasts. As many of you know, this upcoming weekend is a pretty important one. Specifically on Sunday, this is a once a year event you definitely do not want to forget about. Last weekend was the Super Bowl, so it's totally understandable if you need a reminder. And this is me giving you that reminder. So go out, get prepared, and be ready for the 14th, the Daytona 500. The Great American Race kicks off a new year of NASCAR racing. Not only is this one of the most important races for the Cup Series, it's also one of the most popular events in American sports, usually garnering the largest TV audience of any American motorsport activity. It's second only to the Indianapolis 500 from IndyCar for in-person attendance, although I gotta say, COVID's definitely impacting this category. So let's be real. Some of you either forgot about or didn't know that February 14th this year is the Daytona 500. Heck, some of you might claim not to care about it at all. Well, that's a shame. It's a fantastic racing event with stock cars screaming around a heavily banked circuit at over 200 miles per hour, with large V8 engines under the hood roaring like thunder. Okay, no worries. This is the strongest Days of Thunder pun you're going to get in this episode. The Daytona 500 is a 500 mile long race that takes place at the Daytona International Speedway in Daytona Beach, Florida. All of which is pretty obvious from the name. Part of the reason this is one of the most popular televised sporting events in America is it's the opener to the new season of NASCAR Cup Series racing. But another reason is the track itself, both its layout and the history. Daytona Beach was one of the earliest locations of a semi-permanent raceway in the first half of the 20th century incorporating part of the sandy beach and the adjacent beachside street to form a rectangular track. Early stock cars, in this case streetcars, as well there were minimal safety regulations to differentiate road and track safety, these stock cars would compete in 200 mile races on this track and thus the story of Daytona Beach and racing was set. In 1959, the first Daytona 500 was run at the Daytona International Speedway, where it has been ever since. The track is an oval that's 2.5 miles long, putting it into the super speedway category for NASCAR tracks. A basic breakdown of the NASCAR oval tracks, they fall into four categories. The short tracks, which are less than a mile long each lap. The mile ovals, which, well, they're a mile. The intermediate tracks, which have laps of 1 to 2 miles long, and the super speedways, which are over 2 miles long. Given that the lap is 2.5 miles long at Daytona, a full Daytona 500 is a 200 lap race. Oh, one other item to call out? The Daytona 500 is not the same race as the 24 hours of Daytona. 
Even though both races are held at the Daytona International Speedway, that's where the similarities end. The 24 Hours of Daytona is an endurance race that takes 24 hours to complete and not a specified distance. That race is not held on the oval track, but rather a road course that includes 8 more turns per lap than the oval course does. The cars are also completely different. Where the Daytona 500 uses a field of relatively similar stock cars that qualify under the regulations of NASCAR, the 24 hours of Daytona use IMSA-approved race cars that fall into either the GT or prototype cars categories. These vehicles also compete across multiple different classes, so the race itself for the 24 hours of Daytona has multiple different cars that are rated for different speeds, competing on the same track at the same time, but for different wins. This year's 24 hours of Daytona ended on January 30th. Unfortunately, we didn't get our act together in time to release an episode of G-Force to cover this race. Anyway, back to NASCAR and the Daytona 500. The race, although a total of 500 miles long, is broken down into two rounds of qualifying and a final Sunday race. Those two rounds of qualifying are spread out during the week, with each race usually being 65 laps long. Sunday's final race then is a 70 lap event, and that's the key race. Those qualifying races earlier in the week, well those are used to set the starting grid for Sunday's race itself. And then the race results from Sunday determine who actually wins the Daytona 500. The winner of course gets the winning purse, you know, the big check and gets to celebrate. But also there are points that are awarded to drivers depending on how well they finish in this race. These points get used for the championship at the end of the NASCAR Cup season. And this is a key race to win just to lock up and get a head start for the Drivers' Championship. Daytona has been a key racetrack for some of the greatest drivers in NASCAR history, as well as some of the most famous racing teams. Lee Petty, then the owner of Petty Enterprises, won the first Daytona 500 in 1959, and his son carried out the legacy shortly after. Richard Petty, aka The King, is the winningest driver at Daytona 500, with 7 wins as a driver. Petty Enterprises is also the winningest team, with a total of 9 wins. Those are pretty incredible stats, especially for an individual driver and his team. Shifting to a slightly different category, the most dominant manufacturer at Daytona 500 is Chevrolet with a total of 24 wins. Ford is in second with a total of 15 wins. The current reigning champion of the Daytona 500, Denny Hamlin, actually won both 2019 and 2020, both those races for Toyota. On another note for last year's race, 2020 saw the Daytona 500 final race day get postponed by one day racing on Monday due to the torrential rain they were facing during Sunday's event. And this brings up an interesting point. Daytona and rain often go together. The race is quite early in the year, 
so the weather isn't always favorable, which leads to these inevitable delays. But that being said, the Daytona 500 is a very important milestone in not just NASCAR, but in motorsport in general. Along with the 24 hours of Daytona, these are the first two major racing events in all global motorsport for the new year. When the speed weeks of Daytona roll around each year, it's like the first major melt after a snowy winter, or like the first blossoms blooming in the spring. For car enthusiasts, Daytona is our first sign of a new year of racing activities, both spectating and driving. We get a sense of hope that the rest of the motorsport activities are just around the corner. I mean, we're less than 60 days away from the kickoff to the new Formula One season, and potentially even closer to getting to bring out our summer cars, for those of you who have it stored away for the winter. For these reasons, and also because it'll be real fun to watch, I highly encourage all car enthusiasts to tune in for at least part of Sunday's race. Getting to see racing on TV for 2021? That's definitely the most important part of February 14th.